Welcome to the Courage Checklist. I'm your host, Jennifer Chambers. Courage, we all want it. What are the things in our lives that we need courage to tackle? How do you find the guts to get the glory? How do you do the things you've always really wanted to do or be? You make the list, you check it off. It sounds simple, but actually doing the hard stuff, the soul deep stuff, it's not always easy. Find inspiration, ideas, and companions here who also keep trying no matter what. Let's talk about what's on our lists, from giant dream to tiny wish. We share stories of triumph, struggle, joy, and yes, failure, but we keep going together. What's on your list? We're so excited to have writer Bill Sullivan here on the show with us today. Thanks so much for coming, Bill. It's my pleasure. I've been lucky enough to know Bill for, I don't know, probably about 20 years or so, maybe not quite, in our local writing world. And why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Okay. Well, I I guess I'm the author of 23 books and may well be best known for the hiking guidebooks that I do for Oregon. They pay the bills. (laughs) But I've also written three murder mysteries and a whole series of historical novels, short stories, and just all kinds of things. I I get bored of a genre too quickly and then want to do something else. Oh, that makes sense. What's your favorite thing to write right now? Ah, well, I always have two projects going at once. Hmm. So right now I'm updating the hiking guide for Southern Oregon, which involves travel and camping and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm writing the fourth historical novel in a series about the Viking age. And this will be the fourth and final one about the uh, Vikings in Iceland and coming to Greenland and America. I bet that that one was fascinating to write. Fascinating. I've, I've spoken to you a little bit about it before, but what drew you to that subject? Well, my wife's background is Danish, so mm-hmm. we speak the language mm-hmm. and have relatives in Scandinavia, and we became fascinated with the uh, Viking burial ships. There's actually quite a few of these, but um, a surprising number of them, when they excavate them and find out, get the body, it turns out it's a, a woman. So the biggest Viking burial sh- graves of all time often are for women. Well, that doesn't match what a lot of people think about the Vikings, but the sagas do reflect that. And so we've not only gone to the excavation sites and looked at that, but then also translated the sagas from Old Norse at times to get the original story and then put them together into a historical novel that tells, jumps back and forth a thousand years from the excavation to to the Vikings a thousand years ago. Your historical books are very immersive, and I like that. Um, Do you have any particular items that kind of spoke to you when you went and did the research? Something that, like, when you did you get to visit the, you said you got to visit the boats themselves? Well, we took a trip through Russia to uh, research 
the uh, Vikings there. And most people don't realize this, but Russia was founded by Swedish Vikings, uh, the Rus. And the, the, this is a Swedish Viking named, well, basically Rus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after setting up their capital in Novgorod in Russia, they moved to Kiev and founded Ukraine, mm-hmm. which is why the Ukrainian flag has the same colors as the Swedish flag. They were founded by Swedish Vikings. Who knew the Vikings got around that much and that there's excavations in Russia and Ukraine as well? So that I I found timely now that people are looking at Russia and Ukraine and asking about their history. Well, it turns out their history starts with Vikings. Wow, I really didn't know that. I've heard the term Rus, but I didn't know precisely what it meant. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's from the easternmost part of Sweden, the Ruslag, and the, so the Rus came from there. Mm-hmm. But if you're asking about courage, mm-hmm. about courage, I think writing historical novels doesn't take that much courage. And people would say, oh, well, writing hiking guidebooks must take courage because you're out there battling bears and cougars <laughs> hand-to-hand combat every day. Uh-huh. Actually, no, that turns out to be a pretty safe proposition. But if you want courage, that is the business of choosing writing as a career. Mm -hmm. That takes nerve. And I can vouch for this because the the people I think have the most courage of all are high school English teachers. I tried this for one year (laughs) with my English degree, Uh and uh, it was so stressful. And I decided I would rather do anything else in the world than teach high school English. My wife was quite happy teaching preschool because kids are charming at that age. Yeah. Well, after that year, she told me, I understand that you your dream is to be a freelance writer and not a high school English teacher. I will support you for seven years if, in, in, to, if at the end of seven years, you are not earning your living as a freelance writer you must swear to me that you will get a job clerking at Kmart. So it was the bottom of the seventh. I'd written a lot of articles and you get maybe $50, maybe nothing for those. Mm-hmm. I, I, I had actually written two books. One was published from trivial amount. And the other one was a historical novel that nobody wanted to publish because they don't publish first time novels from unknown authors. Right. Yeah. Well, the bottom of the seventh, in baseball terms, that's when you swing for the fence. So I decided I would hike a thousand miles across Oregon alone with a backpack through all the wilderness areas and get two books out of it. One would be a guidebook to all these new wilderness areas that had just been designated. And the other would be the adventure story. So I spent three months in the library at the University of Oregon, pouring over all the information about these places so I'd have something to say when I got there, and then set out. And I wound up being held at gunpoint by marijuana growers. I poisoned myself with mushrooms and had to be evacuated, but then returned back to the trail. At the end, I was hiking 40 miles a day with a full pack and no trail through Hell's Canyon, trying to outrun these October snowstorms. To this day, it amazes me that people read this book and it makes them want to go hiking. (laughs) It would scare them away. Right. But the journal of that adventure, my agent sold to a New York publisher 
for an advance of $25,000. This was more money than I had earned in my life combined at that point. Mm -hmm. And it it reset the clock. Uh, But it also branded me as the hiker guy. So from I started writing hiking guidebooks and they, you know, I think it's my background in creative writing. I studied at Cornell that makes those books tick because a lot of people can hike, but writing about it actually is pretty challenging. It takes more time than doing the hike. And to make it interesting, you have to make it into a story. You have to lure people out to this, make it fascinating, tell something they don't know about the history or the geology or uh, a reason they're going to go and see this lookout tower where where the the lookout mysteriously vanished and don't people don't know whether he jumped off the cliff or ran away. And mm-hmm. okay, now you've mm-hmm. got a reason to do this hike. Mm-hmm. So those books sell quite well, and and that has enabled me then to go back and do the historical novels and murder mysteries and, and short stories and stuff that are, that are also very fun. Mm-hmm. My, one of my favorite subjects you have written about is D.B. Cooper, which as yeah, any, yeah. any Oregonian knows, it's, <laughs> it's the mystery that will persist forever. <laughs> the, well, the great unsolved mystery of the Northwest, who is this guy who parachuted with a quarter million dollars and got away with it. It's the only unsolved hijacking in the history of the FBI. And there's been like one bad movie done about this, and but no no books. So what's that about? I, partly because there aren't that many facts that are known about the case. I mean, some of the money did turn up, but not the parachute or him. No trace of this guy. They have some DNA. They have some fingerprints. It matches nothing in any record anywhere. So I thought this cried out for murder mystery. Mm-hmm. So in my book, the the case of D.B. Cooper's parachute, he's he's in his 80s. He's living in Portland in plain sight under a pseudonym and writing his memoir. And it's all completely true until he jumps out of the plane with the money. And then we have to switch to fiction. And at that point, he reveals that somebody's figured out he's D.B. Cooper and they're blackmailing him. And it winds up involving the Russian mafia and voodoo donuts. But my my Portland police detective and his autistic 30-year-old daughter finally crack the case, partly because of her sixth sixth sense for what is changed or missing in a scene, in a crime scene. Uh, I love that one. It's very, it's very fun. It's very uh thrilling. I, I like the way that you approach all of your books with with that question, that sense of curiosity and uh, what what is here that we can show people they don't know about? Because there's a lot of fact woven into that quite a bit. It, oh, yeah. Like, anything that's known about the case, I include. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that would be a thin book. <laughs> <laughs> True. One of the things I like about your hiking books is that I um, for the listeners, uh, I very much encourage you to check them out, and there'll be links to his books on the website. But I like that you show the the amount of difficulty that the hiking travel entails. So for it, there's an accessibility level there for someone like me who might not be able to accomplish certain ones, but then for my son who can do them all. So they're really <laughs> yeah. appropriate for for all audiences. I like that you include that. I, I do rate them by difficulty and the elevation gain and all that stuff. 
But I find that uh, I'm having to lower those ratings a little bit as the <laughs> audience gets a little older. So uh, what used to be easy hikes now are sometimes moderate. <laughs> and moderate can be difficult. Uh, and each book also includes the uh, barrier-free trails. There's a whole section on that. Mm -hmm. So even if you're on a walker mm -hmm. or a wheelchair, mm -hmm. there's you can get out and do uh, some pretty spectacular adventures. I know. I very much appreciate that. Often I have to use a cane. So for me, that's very, very useful. So thank you. <laughs> that's helpful. We talked a little bit before we started the interview, but what kind of stuff do you do when you're not writing? Oh, well, I play the pipe organ. I, I built three harpsichords and play them. Uh, I like to go backcountry skiing. In winter, we go camping in the snow. Some when This year, we were up on Broken Top for four days in eight feet of snow. Oh my! And yeah, we, my wife and I travel a lot, and we speak a lot of languages. Danish and German are easy for us, but we probably have six others we can get by with. Uh, so, and the fun thing there is to then read untranslated works in other languages and then steal the ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you're honest about it. <laughs> yeah, it's not really plagiarism if no, if no one else has gotten that story yet. No, not at all. Not at all. And that's, you know, part of the thing with the Viking books, mm -hmm. that being able to uh, speak the language and, and go back to the original sources ha has made those books so much more authentic. It is amazing how uh, television documentaries and stories about Vikings are, are so biased and wrong. Mm -hmm. They are often told from the point of view of the British historians who viewed the Vikings as barbarians and, and devils, and so put horns on their heads. Vikings never did that. They, they didn't have horns on their helmets. That would catch every sword blow. Mm -hmm. The only horns were on uh, shamans who, who had rights for Odin, mm, a rare small group of wizards. I mean, and they were not pointy horns. It's And as terms of barbarians, well, if you read the Scandinavian historians, and we do, you get the exact opposite story. They say that the British were the barbarians and that the Vikings brought civilization to England. That, that sounds like a, a tall tale, but from their point of view, it's absolutely true. The, the Vikings introduced democracy to England. The whole idea of juries, that is a Viking invention and elected law speakers who have as much power as the king. That is was unknown in England until the Vikings came. Women's rights. Women in England were slaves. In the Viking world, they could become very powerful. And Vikings had no capital punishment. They they did away with that when they when they came to England, where the king would just slaughter people indiscriminately. In the Viking world, the worst possible punishment was banishment. There was no, you, otherwise there were fines mm -hmm. for any uh, act of violence, mm -hmm. but you, the idea of killing somebody, no. So, mm -hmm. the, yeah, much of what we hear about the Vikings has been distorted and by British historians mm -hmm. and then by television programs that treat as like Game of Thrones, where they mm -hmm. mix together all these uh, stories in a mishmash of uh, nonsense. Well, you don't have to infuse the
the Viking story with all this made up sex and violence, because there was a lot of real sex and violence in the <laughs> Viking age. And the sagas are just full of this. So my books are, uh, I, I try to make them really quite authentic. And the sex and violence is not random. It's <laughs> it's historical. <laughs> Oh, I want to read the whole rest of the series. I think I've only read one. So that's... Yeah, the- another four in that series. Well, the fourth one is still in the works. Give me another year. It takes a couple of years to, to write one of these. I bet. With all the immense amount of research and then yeah. the story, that would take well, a bit. And there is a bit of courage involved in that too. Mm-hmm. Because if you set out to write a historical novel, it's going to take two years and you're not being paid during that time. Mm -hmm. And there's no guarantee at the end that you're going to get a dime out of it. Mm -hmm. You might just not, no one will read it. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) that is where having a partner who believes in you matters. And that was, I think, in my career, the most courageous person was my wife, Janelle, to look at me and say, you've got the potential. You can do this. Um, I'm going to support you for seven years mm-hmm. and it paid off, but, mm-hmm. but that, that was a leap of faith that I, I will always be indebted to her for. Oh, that's, in, that's incredible. And that's all that, that any of us can hope for, right? Is the partner who is supportive of that in, of us in that way. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is the best gift. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you so much. This has been really fascinating. Now, could you tell people where they could reach you on the internet? Well, my website is OregonHiking.com, and there you'll find all kinds of things, 500 hikes and photos and all kinds of stories, like about the log cabin that my wife and I built by hand and live in in the summer. And well, so there's wildflower identification guides. Oh, right. And you have have an app too, don't you? Yes. And there's interviews like this Uh on there. Thanks. (laughs) and all kinds of videos. So OregonHiking.com is actually a fun place to explore. Excellent. We can find your books in most bookstores, correct? It's true. Yeah. If you want the hiking guides, they're in REI or you know, most ranger stations and gift shops and bookstores all over. But bookstores are kind of declining. It's getting harder to find places you can actually buy physical books. And this is why Authors not only have websites and and rely a bit on Amazon for this, Mm -hmm. but also do events. And I have been for many years organizing author events in Oregon. It's 20 years now. I've organized the Oregon Authors Table at the Lane County Fair. And now for the last two years, I'm organizing the Oregon Authors Table at the Oregon State Fair in Salem. So at the end of August, early September, Go to Salem, go to the State Fair. We have 61 authors signed up to be there and autograph their books. And we're not in a commercial building because it's not a commercial exhibit. I mean, you can buy the books, but it's we're in with the arts and crafts between the quilts and the decorated cakes because it's really more of a performance art. You get to talk to the author, find out their stories, just like this interview here. And, and then... You might be tempted to pick up one of their books, and if so, you can get it autographed. Lovely. And the dates of the Lane County Fair are in the third week of July? That is July 19th to the 23rd here in Eugene. And the State Fair 
is August 25th to September 4th in Salem. And you'll, I, I think the websites for the fairs already do have post the listing of which authors will appear when. Perfect. Perfect. And I'll have those on the website for this show as well, should any of the listeners want to find it there. And I'll have all of your links so that they can find you at any time. Thanks so much for talking with us today. It's a pleasure, Jen. Now, for books that I'm recommending in this episode, I have to recommend one of Bill's books. Uh, one of my favorite books that he's written is the 100 Hikes Travel Guide to the Central Oregon Cascades. This includes the Bend Area, Three Sisters, Eugene, Salem, and Mount Jefferson. It's, um, I just love, his hiking books are fantastic. They're comprehensive. They have all different kinds of stuff, like fire lookout rentals, which are really cool, all sorts of different wildflowers, campground and park recommendations, as well as, as we he and I talked about, different levels of hikes that are wonderful. And my other favorite book of Bill's is his book about D.B. Cooper called The Case of D.B. Cooper's Parachute. I really recommend that one. Super, super interesting. I also wanted to talk about some other books by... Um, some authors I've recently met. There is one called Talismans, The Wise Ones, by an author named Lisa Lowell. It's a fantasy. Amnesia plagues Owylion, the Awakened One. After meeting the gargantuan dragon, Mohan, he becomes his apprentice. It's a fun fantasy. I'm really looking forward to finishing that one. That was really great. It was nice to meet her. I also very much enjoyed speaking with author Cheryl K. Smith who is a cheesemaker and a, um, she's an author who has written all kinds of books, uh, specifically about goats. Her most famous and well-known book is called Raising Goats for Dummies in the For Dummy series and Goat Midwifery. But she recently started writing fiction. So her first fictional book is called Shed Boy, a Hidden Creek Farm Mystery. So it's a cozy mystery, really fun. I recommend it. It's, it's, it's great. And I like her a lot. The third one I wanted to talk about today is called This Great Wilderness by an author named Eva Saylor. Um, and that's S-E-Y-L-E-R. It's a winner for historical fiction readers. Absolutely. It's, it's got a little bit of a romance in it. Um, it starts in World War II and it. It talks about uh, two people in Buenos Aires and a lot of really interesting uh, things, historical, and it, it winds in a really good fictional story as well. So I very much recommend all of those. I hope you guys have a great week. excited to announce I have a new opportunity coming up as well. I'm launching a new program called Ink and Insight. It is a program for people who are chronically ill. I'm going to have a podcasting component. I will also have a class component. I will have some extra stuff that will be released on Patreon if you want to have a little bit more access to me. Um, but I'm really excited to help people who are chronically ill like myself 
take their story and make it into print. That's the skill that I have. And I want to share that because I think our stories are important and our stories matter. And those of us who are chronically ill know what it's like to be gaslit and told that our stories aren't important and that they don't matter. So look for that coming up. Thanks for listening. As usual, the best way to support the show is to rate and review wherever you're listening now and possibly share the show with a friend. We thrive on hearing your feedback, so please share your feedback through voicemail or through email at the show's website. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon. Sometimes we have to start over Sometimes we have to fight back